0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the EG Property Podcast and the first in our series of Future Leaders Podcasts. I'm your host, EG Editor Sam McClary. Now we will very soon be revealing EG's latest cohort of future leaders. A lucky eight individuals who will be expertly guided to becoming inspirational, powerful and confident speakers by our training partner, Ginger. The eight are quite special, so do be sure to pick up this weekend's EG to find out who they are and what they hope to deliver through the programme. But that is not what today's podcast is about. Today we have gathered experts from JLL, Savills, Oxford Properties, Octopus Real Estate and Taylor Wessing to talk about what good needs to look like in the industry if we really are to deliver a workplace for everyone. Listen in as we talk about the need to challenge and be challenged the overwhelming importance of collaboration to bring about real change and why empowering people to call out and to be called out yourself is vital as we move towards a more equal and inclusive sector. This podcast was recorded over Teams and I'm not going to lie, I've had to edit it heavily as on numerous occasions my internet failed but did record me berating it and berating it in a not overly professional way. I'll let your imagination run wild there. I hope, however, as always, you will enjoy the conversation and are able to take something away from it. Enjoy. Enjoy.
1: Joining me on the EG Property Podcast today, I have uh, five guests um, to talk about um, something that I hope everyone knows by now. I'm really passionate to, about, obviously the DNI agenda. I'm going to ask each of my guests to introduce themselves and give us a little bit of an idea as to where they see the sector's biggest challenges when it comes to. I guess, changing the future and getting to that point that we're all so desperate for where there is equality, there is diversity and there is really importantly, inclusivity.
2: Thank you. So I'm Katerina Kamakames. I'm an investment associate in Joanne McNamara's team at Oxford Properties, where I've been for two years. Uh, Thank you for inviting me to be part of this panel today. For me, the biggest challenge that the industry faces is that it is and I think has always been quite insular. So if you're on the outside looking in, uh, whether you're a graduate or whether you're even a student at school, it's quite opaque as to what goes on. And I think the problem that that causes is that it's it's not well known as an industry beyond very, very narrow, quite privileged circles. So it, it leads to a narrow talent pool and it, we just completely fail to attract the diverse talent, um, which is obviously kind of the best talent, as we all know. And then even continuing once once you're in, if, if, you, if you are lucky enough to kind of make, make it in, the atmosphere can feel very exclusive and that's compounded by the, the network network effects of, you know, it's all about who you know rather than kind of ability. And you, you see that a lot um, if we ever get back into a pub and it's all about, oh, so-and-so, knows so-and-so and that um, often means more to your career than, than what than what your abilities are. I think there's an unbelievable focus on a, on a narrow set of hobbies, which can have a slight ostracizing effect on and that, not to be glib, but it is um, a real trend that I've noticed that it's all about golf and tennis. And it's and it's that just reflects the fact that the, the talent that we attract is from a very narrow set of people in the country.
1: That's quite a list, but it's a really, really good list and, and something that I'm sure we're going to continue to discuss discuss um, throughout today's um, podcast. Um, thanks, Katerina. Uh, I'm next going to hand over to Emily.
3: Hi, my name's uh, Emily Woods. I'm Head of Finance for UK and Ireland at Jones Lang LaSalle, and I'm also the Gender Balance Sponsor to the UK Board. Um, in relation to challenges, I think that the industry needs to be aware that this is their challenge to face it's not just a challenge for the individuals and the minorities that are impacted and i think whilst education and training has changed the mindset of managers and leaders it hasn't necessarily filtered down through all levels of the organization and unconscious bias means that we're not necessarily working in a true meritocracy which makes it really hard for individuals to navigate and overcome these challenges by themselves so I believe that what we need to do is set targets, and we need to hold ourselves accountable to those targets, and D&I needs to be treated like any other strategic priority for a business. No other part of a business would implement a strategy or a plan without clear KPIs. It just wouldn't be acceptable, and as business leaders, we need to be as ambitious in these challenges as we are in setting financial targets. A lack of measurement and metrics has resulted in change being far too slow. We need to know what good looks like. It's not good enough to use anecdotal evidence or unreliable indicators of change, which demonstrate that we are, you know, moving in the right direction.
1: Fantastic. I'm go- we're going to come back and we're going to try and answer what, what good looks like, because I think that's a, that is a really good challenge, actually, if we, can, if we can understand what that does look like, then at least we have a, have a target, as you say. Uh, thanks, Emily. Um, Benjamin, going to pass over to you.
4: Thanks. Hi, uh, I'm Benjamin Davis. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Octopus Real Estate. Um, Both very good uh, introductions and summaries of of the key points there. So just pick out a couple that I'm I'm focused on in my role. The first is retention of diverse talent. I think um, a lot of people talk about recruitment and changing recruitment and Search policies and how they how they bring staff into the business. I think quite often people forget about retention and they don't focus on staff turnover and actually what's the experience of diverse talent in a business once they join the business. Um, so that's one thing that's on my mind. The second thing is role modelling all the way to the top of an organisation. And often what you find if you look at an organisation is uh, these sorts of uh, initiatives. Uh, bubble up from below, from the younger staff, Um, and I think it's incumbent on leaders to make sure the change happens in both directions and it's actually fully ingrained from the top down, not just from the bottom up. So those are are my two areas of focus at the moment.
1: Fantastic. Thanks, Benjamin. Noel.
5: So Noel McGonagall, I'm the HR Director at Savills for the UK, Europe and the Middle East. I, th- I think um, for me, it's it's one of the points that Katerina mentioned. It's about getting the word out in, in the widest possible sense to communities about property as a career. Um, and and we have all been fishing in a very narrow pond before and and in the, And it has been proven from the various surveys that you've run, Sam and others, that you know that that's been a barrier to entry. So it's how do we make ourselves attractive to the talent out there so that we get the best talent that we can.
1: I think there's a there's a definite. A um, big piece of work to be done around that messaging, around how attractive real estate can be, isn't isn't there? Um, again, something else we'll, we'll come back to in this conversation. But
6: uh, last but by no means least, uh, Emma. So I'm Emma Oakley. I'm a partner at the law firm Taylor Wessing and co-head of our real estate sector group. Um, so I suppose I'm straddling two uh, sectors, real estate and the legal one. Um, and I think the challenges facing the legal one are perhaps slightly different. Um, so in terms of um, attracting talent and recruitment, uh, the legal profession has been doing pretty well in terms of attracting uh, women at least for um, a number of years now. Um, so the issues when it comes to gender diversity have been more around progression um, and that role modelling at the senior level. Um, but I think when you then broaden it out and look at other types of diversity, um, the legal profession is it is not doing. so so well um, and there are some real challenges in making sure that we recruit from a diverse pool of people Um, and I think um, people you know understand law as a career they know what it is and perhaps that's slightly different from the uh, real estate industry but that still doesn't mean it's a a profession which is currently um, accessible to all Um, so to my mind I think you've got that piece around progression uh, which is the key one but also access to the industry as well uh, and making sure that we we're mindful of all types of diversity when we're recruiting fantastic so i'm um,
1: going around there there are a lot of um sort of shared challenges i suppose We're they're all, all quite aligned on on what the challenges challenges are and you know one of the other questions that I was really keen to to draw out from this conversation is is how if we know now what those challenges are how do we challenge ourselves as an a, as a whole industry to start to to fix them and how do we work together um, and this goes to your point I suppose Noel about um you know sort of making the industry attractive and getting that message out how do we work together to really um, turn those challenges actually into opportunities and 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 seize the opportunity that they
5: that they throw up so um
1: noel I guess I'll go I'll go back to you first on that
5: Yeah, I think, I suppose, like a lot of these things, the frustration is the pace of change and how quickly you can make all of this happen. And I think, you know, there are a number of initiatives that have been out in the market for a while, like Property Needs You and Pathways to Property which have been reaching out into those different communities to try and encourage people to come through to property as a career. And we've certainly seen applicants now coming through that have, that have you know, seen pathways to property or property needs you in school or at a careers event. And then, you know, have, have looked at, um, uh, sort of moving forward from there. Um, and we're also reaching out with some other community groups uh, like Career Ready, which works with a number of um, inner city schools, the Thousand Intern Initiative. Just It's just how do we get to those communities and sort of make that happen. But I think we can all do that as a group. And I, I think that's part of the problem. There's quite a lot of fragmentation in that you've got lots of different women's sort of groups that are a sort of on the edge of property, women in property, et cetera. you've got um, Bame in property. So it's how do we sort of get all of us working together to to get a positive message out to the communities that we're looking to target. Um, and I think that's that's probably the the big challenge. I think then when you get the people in, you've got some of the challenges that Ben mentioned about you know making sure that uh, and and Katrina did as well. Katerina sorry um you know about making it look and feel like the place that somebody wants to be and stay um but yeah for me first of all it's getting out there and and making this career obvious to people and attractive.
1: Katerina you you talked about it being a really insular um sector and that being one of its biggest challenge and you know that the talent pool that we are fishing from is is really really narrow do you agree with Noel there that there are ways that we can broaden that?
2: Definitely, we need. definitely. I think the issue is though that you don't see immediate change. It, the The most efficient uh, solutions don't yield the the most immediate change. So I found that what works really well is going into schools and speaking to uh, um, assemblies of year ten or year eleven students before they've picked their A levels, before they've decided where they're going to go to university, where they might do an apprenticeship, and actually explain to them. Of all the opportunities, because the problem I find is that when you speak to uh, students aged 15 or 16, to them the industry is either an estate agent or it's banking. And they don't really understand that you don't necessarily need to be amazing at maths. You don't necessarily need to go uh, to get amazing A level grades and go to university, CBRE, and, and all the like. They offer wonderful apprenticeship schemes that give you different routes into the industry. And a lot of these students have never heard of the industry. So I think. That is a really efficient way to do it, but the problem is it doesn't get you immediate results. So perhaps there's been less of a focus on it than than there should have been. And the other thing I just wanted to add to um, Noel's point about the groups and the kind of the women and the women in property and the uh, BAME property groups. Um, what I find this, the the issue I find with those is. Um, their intentions are obviously excellent, and everyone who attends them um, is clearly very passionate. But the problem I find is that, for example, you will attend a women in properties um, luncheon or, or talk or something, and you walk in there and it's ninety five percent women, and you always look around and you go, "I didn't know there were this many women in the industry, and where are all the men gone all of a sudden?" Um, and so I just think it's really important that it's kind of everyone as a kind of a, uh, everyone from the industry is. Active in the groups, not just those ones that affect them or, or relate to them. I think that's a really important point.
3: Fantastic, thank you, Emily. You were nodding along there. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. My point is, this has to be an industry initiative. It can't just be, you know, women doing it for themselves or gender um, underrepresented groups. We need really clear three, five-year plans with specific deliverables in all areas of DNI. And this will be very challenging, actually, I think, for the real estate industry, but it is going to be the only way that we accelerate the pace of change. And and yes, we need to collaborate um, in the same way that other industries have. I mean, real estate is massively behind the curve, and our clients from other industries, they're not, and they're expecting us to change and to catch up fast. And the only way for this is for, to do it is for the industry to work together and have one joined up approach. Um, and I don't know about... Other people on the call but I found during the pandemic we have worked much more closely with other companies in the industry and we should leverage this cross company cooperation and um, to, to deliver on the DNI agenda uh, and we should look at what other industries have done I mean I could think of things like the uh, women in finance charter which you know was a commitment that the financial services industry signed up to and it massively changed the sector and if we could commit to something similar Real estate, then I think that would really deliver change.
1: And I think it has to be cross sec- really across sector, doesn't it? Because we see, you know, the consultancy world doing doing its bit, you know, the investor landlord um, world doing it bit, you know, the legal profession. Uh, um, Probably a bit bit ahead, as as you've, you've said, particularly on gender. Emma so, but we need to come together as the the built environment and have that single voice and that single um goal, don't we? And um I, I'm also really interested, um especially um Benjamin and Emma, you both mentioned retention and progression uh, being one way that we can we can help sort of rebalance, I guess, this industry because we do see. It, particularly from a gender perspective, we're not doing too badly on attracting um, equal amounts of women and men into the industry, but then it all goes wrong, doesn't it? So Benjamin, how, what what are you doing at Octopus to make sure that you're retaining people and, and what lessons could you share or would you like to learn from, from others here?
4: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I think often companies get the front end bit right and it's actually much easier to To get the front first bit right, which is broadening your pool, broadening your hunting ground, bringing in a broader range of people, Um, but actually what's it like for that person when they land and they're still dealing with uh, the sort of historic effects of you know pale male stale environments which are broadly you know where real estate is today. Um, So what do we do about it? We've got a number of schemes, so one of the key things we have is mentoring, so we make sure when people land, and it's not just people from a diverse background, it's it's in fact anyone who joins, but particularly people who uh, come from a diverse background, we make sure that they have a strong mentor to work with them, um, to sort of take them under their wing, show them the ropes, um, and sort of be their sponsor, because it can be quite daunting coming into an environment where um, perhaps you are uh, not in the majority, Um, so that's a key thing. we have a number of things just in our DNA as a business. So we have a really strong feedback culture. Uh, so people are, are sort of encouraged to give feedback uh, in all directions every month, and we kind of track how much people are doing. We target people not just on the what, so they're achieving their business objectives or their targets, but on the how, which is how they go about it. You know, how they conduct themselves, how they behave. Do they make offers to help? Um, are they the sort of person? You know you want to work with and the sort of person you, you want to have in the organisation. Um, we also have a whole range of uh, policies and benefits a- across the group and it is a much broader group than just real estate because we've got ventures and renewables and other, other financial services areas but things like um, you know, shared parental leave and flexible working um, and a very flat structure where I, c- I can't say to anyone when they join just speak to me whenever you want. Just message me, or come up to my desk, or call me. I'm always around. So, uh, and the same goes all the way to a group CEO. So we don't have the sort of strict hierarchical uh, way of thinking about the group. And if someone's upset about their manager or they're or they're in a bit of a uh, a rut, they can just speak to anyone, and then, and then sort of empowered to do that. I think last point is we've got a whole range of sort of uh, well-being and mental health services. So career coaching, counselling confidential lines people can call up and get help and support which doesn't feedback through your manager so it's all kind of external to the business and we get uh, anonymous uh, stats on how much that's used and actually it's it's, it's well used, uh, which, which is something we're really proud of it's something that people really value.
1: I definitely want to come back to um... Empowering people to be able to call call things out because I think that's really important in in creating change. But um, I, I, Emma, I want to want to come to you first to find out um, what what you guys are doing to to help with the progression and retention and, and making sure that you know every level at, at Taylor Westing
6: is uh um is uh, diverse and and uh, inclusive. Thank you. And um, so there's a number of things that uh, Ben just touched on there, which which certainly resonate, and we have similar um, programs in in place at Taylor Wessing. Um, I think one thing that we um, have been doing a lot more of, and perhaps it is as a result of the pandemic and certainly the events over the last twelve months. but um we're just talking a lot more about people's experiences. So, for example, cultural and racial diversity network uh, we had a really really powerful uh session earlier in the year um when uh, a number of our fianas and uh, and support staff spoke about their day-to-day experiences not just uh within the profession but um their personal experiences as well um, and you know as someone from a white middle class background you realize how much you don't know about what other people's day-to-day um experiences can be uh we also have a um a sort of cultural and racial diversity book club which is just encouraging people to have the conversation um and be more open um about the challenges they face because i think sometimes there's just that that lack of awareness um of what it's like because you 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 don't walk in other people's shoes and we're trying to encourage that to happen Um, in terms of Uh, sort of promotion Um, I I think probably over the last five years we have been very focused on gender diversity specifically so identifying those internal candidates who we think um, are fantastic prospects for promotion and making sure um, they get the support and mentoring and external coaching uh, that they need to really fulfill uh, their potential that's been a huge thing for us Um, and I think coming back to the theme of challenging um we've also been focused as well on lateral hires um, and senior lateral hires as well um because we would typically find that when we were searching for a particular sort of senior lateral hire recruitment agencies would say to us really sorry but there's just no women out there who are interested in this role but here's you know um a group of sort of 10 men who would be fantastic for it and that's where we've really had to push back and say no that's not good enough um we want you to bring us you know a, a short list of a, a diverse group of people and yes that has been for us over the last five years I like say, focused on women but you know increasingly making sure that we, we we challenge uh when there's um when there's scope to do so and we have as a result um really evened out we've made a number of lateral hires over the last 12 to 24 months and it's been much more balanced between the genders than historically ever has been so there's there's a, a number of things that, that we can do and I think a number of things we recognize that we need to you know keep doing better and, and, and continue to to make the challenge.
1: Uh, I thought it was really interesting Emma with you saying how you were pushing back when recruiters would tell you that well there's just no one no one out there and I want to talk a bit more about um, not stand not standing for um, the status quo to steal a quote from um, from JLL, uh, uh, um, Emily. Um, what do we do to ensure that everyone feels empowered enough? Uh, Emily, I'll, I'll go. I'll go
3: to you as I stole the JLL quote. No, thanks, Sam. That that's absolutely fine. Um, I I think you know as, as we have done. I think it's really important that we set targets and we publish them internally and externally. And we hold ourselves to account to those and all employees in the organization understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. Because I believe we've done a good job in education and I think we've won the hearts and minds of many people, certainly our managers, but we really need to support them in driving change. So, I mean, just looking at JLL, a number of initiatives that we're doing is uh, 360 feedback on all our senior leaders so, kind of holding them to account and uh, to behaving in an inclusive way. All employees this year and going forward will have DNI objectives and they will be measured against them at the end of every year. Uh, all senior leaders um, have had inclusive leadership training, and we're looking before the end of H1 to roll that out to about a thousand line managers. Um, the aim of the training is to focus on how to overcome bias. And how to create inclusive teams it highlights acceptable and unacceptable behaviors and gives individuals the tools that they need to address this and to speak out so for for me it it is about education but it's about creating that environment where people feel that they can put their hand up and say they feel uncomfortable but also educating people to what i go back to what good looks like you know what behavior we should be expecting so they have a barometer you know that they could they can they can use
1: there was a, a really wonderful story um noel that came out of savils actually um in a conversation i was having with um Sully about reverse mentoring when one of his mentors said that when they came for an interview at savils it was during pride pride week and they had never felt comfortable really talking about their personal life at work because they just they just didn't it, um but when they saw pride flags, there there was just suddenly this feeling that um, of a a hand on the shoulder saying, "Oh, do you know what? It's so it's okay here." So it's those um sort of it doesn't have to be verbal all the time, does it? The to sh- um, show people that places are inclusive and what behaviours are are acceptable and what behaviours aren't.
5: I think that's th- that sort of how do you make people feel included is is really important. And that yeah, I mean for we were lucky um that for the last few years we we, we hosted Pride Breakfast one year for the for the march in London and, and we have always decorated the building for for Pride Week and, and everyone has a Pride flag on their desk. And that's not we haven't told people to do that. The LGBT group have pass those rainbow flags out and people have been happy to do it. And, and it's been quite fun for that period. And, I, and we're, we've been trying to do the same with Black History Month, LGBTQ History Month, et cetera, to just push that inclusive message out, celebrating the various religious holidays and, and more importantly, trying to explain what it what's behind the holidays or what does it mean? What's the history and so on to sort of create that understanding um but actually the reverse mentoring is probably the thing that's making a, a big change at the moment so what we've done is got all, um each of our D&I groups has a has a board sponsor that board sponsor has been reverse mentored by um a member of the D&I group so James Gulliford, as as you featured um in your uh, in your sort of article um and it's that walking in somebody else's shoes it's sort of it, and they're all m- much more junior people young people in the organization it's trying to explain you know what the lived experience is of being either f- from a black background or from a gay background and how their life has been impacted how they've experienced life and how they experience life in savils and i think that sort of keeps us honest in terms of sticking with you know what we say. And, and yes, we are leading from the top in that sense and the CEO and everyone else very visibly on it. But I think what that reverse mentoring does is make sure that that's flowing right through the organization and, and everybody feels that and and it's it has made i think it's really opened people's eyes up to some of the issues that have gone on and i think some of the things that you featured in your racism in property survey you know some of the uh, sort of microaggressions as 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 they're called you know the the comments the things that people don't realize are hurtful or just make people feel like they're different and therefore it, it's trying to address all of those issues that that are important
1: and how um ben, Benjamin this is for you because you talked very much about having a feedback um culture at, at octopus which I think is probably a really difficult thing to 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 do so well done for for creating it how do you how do you really make everyone whatever level they are feel able to feedback and say you know say if you accidentally said something that um, was um, felt by someone else to be inappropriate. How how do you create that culture where someone can say, hang on a minute, that, you know, I'm not comfortable with that?
4: It's a very good question because invariably people think it's a career limiting move so just to give that sort of feedback, right? The further up the chain you go. So I think um, one of the key ways we do that is we, we try to get everyone in the company, but especially people in, in senior roles, to admit when they get things wrong and to say sorry and and to be humble and to and to uh you know fess up if they get something wrong really um that's a really key thing and i think the other way is by giving feedback so if you give direct valuable feedback to someone um and then you ask them for feedback at the same time or maybe you know on another day um you're sort of empowering them to do that and another thing i do is i talk about um I kinda of tell stories about the best feedback I've ever been given. Some of it's pretty punchy and people are almost thinking, Wow, like you you're happy to talk about that in front of the whole of the business, and you're therefore saying, Yeah, I I received this feedback. Didn't like it, but it was it was uh it was fair and it was true and, and I, I received that and I took it on board and uh I changed my behavior as a consequence. And and so you're sort of giving permission and empowering people to to do the same thing, which I think is really, really important. You can't have all these things just being done by uh, all the young people at the bottom of the organization. And it's on the flip side, the most corrosive thing you can have in any organization is all of this stuff bubbling up. And then the people at the top of the tree just kind of smirking and playing along because that just undermines everything so it's one thing that I have zero tolerance for if there's any of that anywhere in the company um, it's so serious because you can undo so much hard work just by one smirk or one person just going along with the motions in a very senior role um, so that's that's something I'm always really uh, really keen to keep an eye out for luckily we don't have that but you know there's always a, the tendency for some for some situations like that to sort of unfold which you need to just be on top of
1: it's it's great to see listeners can't see this but everyone on the screen is nodding really really hard at that so it's it's really really good to to see one of one of the other things that and and Caterina you mentioned this and I think we don't call this out an, an, enough um and we should which is how in real estate it is often who you know what sports you play that it enables you to move up the career the career path and and that, you know, it, it's not based on actually on on talent um, always. And the word that um, more and more people are using with with me these days is it's not it's it's not based on resilience. And how how resilient someone is should be one of the the greatest um, attributes you could have in in any any career. So I'm really keen to to hear from you what you think we should be doing to um, sort of balance things out there.
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, I said that I didn't mean to be kind of trite uh, because it, it does seem like quite a minor thing. Like, what does it matter if, if people like golf and talk about golf all the time? And obviously, of course, that's fine. And ev- everyone's got their hobbies. So it's not to say you're not allowed to talk about golf. Um, <laughs> it's it's just that there's, there's certain things it manifests itself in certain ways where, for example, first of all you have this phenomenon that we all know about where there is terminology that is used that is just fundamentally lost on a lot of people and so I'll often leave a meeting and say well I didn't understand this this and this and of the of the 10 things that I didn't understand that I need to check with someone on my team half of them are sports references that I just didn't get um the other the other thing and this is you know to, to kind of move on to a more serious point the the most fundamental thing that we can do is just build and create a culture where that kind of stuff doesn't matter so for example everyone can um have all have all that going on because that is just fundamentally what people like to do um, but it's it doesn't mean it doesn't necessarily mean that it's exclusive of everybody else and it doesn't mean that if you don't happen to have the same interests and hobbies and um, do all the same kind of things on the weekend as, as as your as your colleagues it doesn't ostracize you and you'll still get along and importantly to, to Ben's point when you have such a strong culture um, I know with absolute confidence and certainty that I could uh, give feedback to anybody senior in our European business Um, and I know that that would be taken on board and not just taken on board but it would be really kind of respected and appreciated that I had been able to call a specific uh, behavior or tendency out and that only exists because we have such a strong culture um, where I know that all of our senior leaders this is an absolute priority for them and they are not just paying lip service to inclusion and diversity they truly care for it.
1: I, th- I think that brings us to a really great rounding point. And we, we started at the, the the beginning saying we'd come back to what does, what does good actually look like? And that, you know, the title of this podcast is challenge, collaborate and, and call out. Um, so, which, which I think is part of what good looks like if you're able to do all of those things, but really ke- keen to hear from everyone, what they, what their good looks like and, and, and um, hopefully it will all um, it will all be pretty similar so we'll know what good looks like for the industry and we can collaborate on that and, and really get to, um, not good but but great. Um, I'm going to start Emily with you, what does good look like?
3: So I think I'd like to bring this on a personal level, I, I have a son and I have a daughter and so for me what good looks like is they both turn up at JLL or any other company in the real estate sector And they're both given the same opportunities and they're treated exactly the same and it doesn't matter whether they're a boy or a girl so for me that's an example of what good looks like
1: and both of them would be equally attracted to real estate as a career absolutely
3: absolutely
1: (laughs) fantastic thank you Noel.
5: um yeah this this is going to sound a bit trite and it's a bit of a stock statement but i think for me it it is what's important that that people coming to work in our industry can bring them whole selves to work and be themselves and their character and everything else and and they feel comfortable they feel welcomed and they can be successful um and, I, and for me that that's sort of it you know i know it's it is you know bring your whole self to work is a bit of a sort of stock statement but i think I think that's the, the the thing you want. You want everybody, regardless of their background, their sports ability or anything else, to, to, to feel that they're, they're welcome and they can have a great career and enjoy themselves and prosper
6: to pick up on I think what Noel was just saying I, I think about 10 years ago a lot of diversity initiatives were focused on how you correct the individual and what the individual can do differently to help themselves perform better and fit into the the culture better whereas I think now there's a lot of acceptance widespread acceptance but it's not about changing the individual it's about changing the culture um so being in an environment where you don't accept That the success you've had so far in terms of diversity and inclusion is is good enough, and you keep pushing and you keep challenging and you keep looking for ways to to do things better. Um, Because it's hard to change culture; it doesn't happen quickly. Um, I think particularly in industries like real estate and uh, the law, where they're they're very traditional industries. So, yeah, that just that sort of that that constant challenge um, and constant ways of looking to do things better is, to my mind, what good should look like and, and what's most important.
4: I think Noel nailed it. Um, it it's uh, it's real estate being a sector where people don't have to feel they're acting or play acting at work. They can just be themselves, turn up to work, talk about what they like, what they do, what they did on the weekend, um, and uh, and that's acceptable. And in fact, it's a sort of industry where people feel they can they can do that and their whole selves embraced. That's that's in a nutshell for me.
2: Yeah, I think that, um, it, and it's not easily achievable. but I, I think the the real achievement is when we can all be sat around and we 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 aren't sat here saying, "Oh, what are the biggest challenges?" Because it, it's kind of it's not a it's not a problem anymore because it's not it's not as noticeable it's not as obvious and it, people don't feel excluded and we do have a workforce that represents the kind of country's population and people can bring that, their whole selves to work so so really I think what 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 perfect looks like is um, when it's no longer something that needs to be discussed because it's already been solved and then on the way there what does good look like to get you there it's having a really strong culture. Um, which allows people to to, to feel, like, feel like they can stand up regardless of the level that they are um, and regardless of how small or kind of insignificant they may perceive their own um, experience to have been. If you can talk to it, then the, the culture will change and the industry will adapt and will continue to attract better talent.
1: I'd love. I love that in that we will never, you know, good is not needing to talk about it because there is no problem any anymore. And I think that's a really, it's a really great ambition. And you know, if there are, ever is a, a a a joined up goal, a collaborative goal, it, it's to it's to get to get to that. I think these are the kind of discussions that I think could go on forever because we've got a lot. We have got a lot of work to do. Um, but it is really great to see. So many people across the industry really committed committed to this, and I am optimistic that um, one day we won't have to have to talk talk about it. Um, but thank you so much for for joining us on the podcast today, and um, we'll look forward to the the next
0: discussion. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the EG Property Podcast. We hope you found the content insightful and helpful. If you'd like more of the same and to keep up with all the latest news, views, analysis and research that the EG Group has to provide, be sure to sign up to all of our property podcasts and subscribe to Radius Data Exchange for unlimited access to all of our content and comprehensive commercial real estate data.